Welcome to voicemails, formerly known as Come In Ear Audio Dating, a new, more personal way to make yourself heard long play in our world of swipes and pokes. A series of simple questions will now follow, designed to get your dating juices flowing. Speak after the beep and your answers will be added to your profile on our database for over 200,000 attractive single ladies to hear and review online. So remember, relax, be yourself, and let's have some voicemail fun. Question one, tell us about yourself. <coughs> oh, I get up on stage and speak for a living, so I don't know why I'm so nervous. True story, I, I actually once managed to get to the end of a virtual reality demo in Kent back in 93 after Dominic Diamond's silk blouse caught fire, so I reckon I should be able to get through this. <coughs> and uh, <coughs> poor bloke's nipples melted clean off. <coughs> anyway... My name is Paul, uh, Paul Shelley. I am 45 years old. I, I live on my own in Greater Manchester and I work for myself. Um, well, let's, um, let's start with that. My company is called Shelley Solutions and what I do is take smaller businesses into the 21st century by giving them access to the latest IT, marketing and motivational strategy tools used by the majors. You know, uh, Apple, uh, Nike, Greg's. And I set up shop on my own back in 98 because uh, I wanted to break out of the corporate machine. Or rather, I was tired of working for the man, you know, and I, and I fancied being the man that I always wanted to be uh, or not to be. Oh, there it is. Uh, you know what I mean? So um, what do we do at Shelley Solutions? Well, it's a simple business model. I don't charge for initial consultation. If you like what you hear, then we can talk money. My gift is that I can walk into a company and size them up on the spot. And uh, my opening pitch is usually, you're doing all right. You know, you, you're in the 20th century, but I'm going to take you into the 21st, um, into the 21st century. Obviously, that that killed back in 1998, and now we're well into the 21st century. It's um, I don't I don't say that as much now. Now it's more like sort of, you know, you lot, you you lot. It, you're acting like it's 1998, but you know, hurry up. And, and be in this different year. It's not as catchy. I mean, a bolder pitch, obviously, would be, OK, you know, no, you're in. You're in the 21st century. Congrats. But let me take you to the 22nd century. Thing is, that's 84 years. And I could teach a blind granny how to hashtag, but I cannot put a company name on a hoverboard yet. Although um, they, they, they do exist now, don't they? I, I've seen them. All the rappers have them on Instagram. They're not really hoverboards. I'm mean, saying you're hovering when you're on wheels. That's like standing on a step and saying you're levitating. Just ignore the step. Piss off. Back to the Future 2, though. That was set in 2015. Because have we done it? I mean, we got 3D movies, sure. Avatar blew my mind. Still does. I watch it with my mate Ray every chance we get. Ray, he's older than me, right? He was one of my mum's boyfriends when I was a teenager and we remain close. These days, we like to call him Blu-ray because he loves movies more than anyone else and because he suffers from clinical depression. Ray blew half his brain cells out with LSD and he says Avatar is better than any psychedelic trip he's ever been on. He says it's like stepping into the acid fueled mind of a cinematic genius as he trips his balls off, but you get to watch it from the comfort of your beanbag and with no risk of brain damage or shitting yourself on re-entry. Take that, Dennis Leary. T uh, Timothy. Timothy Leary.
Ray said, though, when he used to trip the light fantastic back in the day, he didn't see magical worlds full of blue environmental warriors as such. He just used to get, like, plants and trees coming to life and telling him to fuck off in the voice of his school PE teacher. So, I mean, not a million miles away from Cameron's conservationist 3D opus, just a bit more miserable and a bit more paranoid. But hey, that's my mate Blu-ray for you. In my humble opinion, though, Avatar truly is the Citizen Kane of movies. It's that good. Shelley Solutions recognises, like the Avatar message, that the way to fight the man is to in fact arm the little guy. I mean, not literally, per se. Although, with the way the one percenters are taking us for a ride, except Bill Gates. He's a proper good'un. A true philanthropist. You know what, I always think he should make more of a noise about that. Otherwise, when the revolution comes, I still know a dozen people in my industry with long memories who kick him to death in the street just for Windows 8. I'll tell you what, I used to think Branson, he, he was a good egg, until he moved his money affairs overseas. Now he's just another rich pillock with a tropical island. Kind of like a twattish, dad rock Bond villain. I say all of this as a proud little guy myself. I, I, I should add for dating purposes, I don't mean I am physically a midget. I mean small business owner. Um, hang on, though, uh, not that there's anything wrong with midgets. I actually do some consulting for a plumbing parts company near Hull run by a midget. Trenton is his name, and he says, right, his disability is what gives him his entrepreneurial drive. The man's an inspiration. I, uh, I got pissed with him one lunchtime before Christmas, and the little Tyrion Lannister, he drank me under the table. And he's as strong as an ox, too. We went back to the office, and he lifted up the photocopier and his secretary, Jean, while she was still in a swivel chair. He growled, and she giggled all the way through it. It was palpably sexual. But like Trenton, you know, you've got to be true to who you are in this life. You want to exploit your niche, be an individual, find out what makes you, you. That's what I tell my clients. You know, you want to find that niche, fill that niche, and then stand on that niche. So no one knows you even had a niche to begin with. Niche. I just like saying that word. <laughs> to be honest, tax evasion? That's probably the only other way to take on the majors at their crooked game, innit? Like that little Welsh village on TV that banded together, do you remember that? I mean, supposedly, that show was making a political point, but are they still doing it? Because if so, doesn't that make them as bad? I mean, does Mrs Goggins' post office now have a sweatshop run out the back room where they make iPhones? To be honest, it's not, not the worst idea. Although, British kids, though, they're too gobby to go for that. I say put the pensioners to work. They're hardy, that war generation. A factory run entirely on gin and racism. A bit like the UKIP Brexit campaign. Plus, old folk, right? They only need three hours sleep a night. Or... Or is that midgets again? I put through everything I can as an expense when I'm on the road. Key is, right, what you want to do, pretend to link it to potential new business. Like, if I stop for a pasty, for example, I will put down meeting with our caterer, Mr. Greggs. My accountant rang me up last year and he said, Paul, I'm looking at your tax and I'm worried, mate. When you're on the road, you're putting down 70 to 80 Cornish pasties a week. I said, do you think I'm pushing my expenses? He said, no, I'm worried you're going to die, you fat fuck. Question two. What are you looking for in a partner? I swore this year I would make two big things happen. You know, I, I'd get my cholesterol and my weight down. And second, I'd get out there and make true love happen, you know. And finish the patio. Finish the patio. So three things. Um, was there a fourth? Swim with sharks. That's, that's not so pressing. That's, that's more of a bucket list thing. The weight gain is relevant to being on here. Of course it is. Because sometimes I think I eat my feelings. I mean, I eat a shit ton of food as well, which is probably more my actual problem. But I'm doing good. You know, I'm down 3.5 stone in a year and I can now fit into my jeans from 1995. Only problem is, they're shit jeans from 1995. 
listen, I know I've been talking up my business, uh, and that's not what I'm here for, you know, giving it the big I am, but maybe that's my insecurity, rearing the purple bulbous tip of its, you know, rearing its head. Reality is, life on the road for an executive in tech consultancy can be pretty sexy, sure, but pretty lonely too. Most of the women I meet are the female me, and that's horrible. You know, carving out these solitary existences, we pass like ships in the night. If ships in the night stop to refuel with anonymous sex in the car park on Oxford services. I barely feel the shame now when I go into the Wild Bean Cafe at 1am for wet wipes and johnnies. Let me paint you a picture. You're in town for the big conference. Corporate hospitality is on fleek, as they say. Now you think you know, but it is hard to keep your head in that sort of atmosphere. I believe it was R. Kelly who once quoth, After the party is the after party, and after the party is the hotel lobby. Now he wasn't speaking about the Blackpool Seafront Ibis, but he might as well have been. And it is kind of like a hip-hop video. I mean, maybe less hip-hop video, more corporate video, with drunk people in crap suits. But it can get pretty bacchanalian. You'd be surprised what free mini-burgers in Echo Falls do to a tightly wound businessman or woman after a long day of PowerPoint. The normal rules do not apply. But you know what? I'm over it. Sure. Free bar used to equal free sex. But I tell you, you pay in the end. You pay with your soul. Or you pay if you want spirits or cascale from the bar as they're not comped. You rock up to these tin pot businesses in these two horse towns. You're the exotic erotic stranger. The man no woman can ever truly know. Truly tame. Like Don Draper, but played by someone who looks more like Shane Ritchie. I'll walk you through it. There's a pretty smiling face. You perch on the edge of a desk. You break the ice by asking if they're on LinkedIn. They've heard of LinkedIn. Sure, they get the bleeding emails every day. We all do. Even when you're on LinkedIn, they never stop. They've heard of LinkedIn, but they're scared of LinkedIn. They're scared of what they haven't experienced. Scared but excited at trying something new with LinkedIn. Now, am I talking about LinkedIn or am I now talking about boning? Exactly. The game has begun. Sometimes you go too deep. You play at another man's life and you spend the next day with them. Hit the outlets for a spot of retail, buy them some nice soap or a case for the mobile phone. You think it's love. Burn up that two-for-one steak and vino voucher that's running out for the harvester that you cut out of the paper. Or, if she's posh, take her to Wagamama's and hope she doesn't think you're a mong when you ask for a fork. Then, drop them on the corner of their street so their husband, he doesn't get suspicious. Or, maybe their husband sounds fucking scary, so you just leave them on someone else's street and drive away before she can do anything about it. Or, take them to a National Trust property when you're both hungover on the Sunday. You're both trying to remember how much sweets used to cost as you talk about your childhoods. One of you, usually me, ends up crying in the tea rooms. Or it's them that misreads it. They ask you to come for dinner and meet their weird kid who hates you on sight. Of course he does. You're the bloke whisking their mum off to Asian fusion chain restaurants and ratting them after in their espace. They think you're away out of the suburbs into, you know, another suburb. But why are you doing it? Windowless hotel rooms, Paul. Restless mind caught distraction, Paul. No, Paul. You lie there, Paul. You reflect on what you're drinking and shagging so much for, trying to push down and bury. You break this self-destructive bullshit pattern. But the silence is so deafening, you'd rather feed your cock into the Corby trouser press than endure one more minute. So, of course, you reach for your phone. You run through your WhatsApp list. Hey, laughing Carol from Swansea with a son in prison. She were a bit of fun. So you crank up your sexting game. You open with the eggplant emoji next to the picture of a peach and a question mark. The textbook combo of a rooster, cock, and a cat, pussy, ping back in return. 
Oh, it's silly, sexy fun. But how old are we? Actually, true story. One time, this woman sent me a really long message with the emoji of the dancing Spanish lady, flames, the fist emoji in all of the different skin tones, the one of the munch screen painting, a hypodermic needle, the one of a sweet elderly couple, and then a tombstone. I was fucking terrified. Turned out she just sat on a phone. Question three. What is love to you? My mum. My mum was love, yeah. She lived to care for others. But I always say, you know, the best summer of my life was when the three of us and my best mate, my dog Maxie, we moved down near Derby because my parents, they took over a friend's pub for a few months. And for a moment, we were the happiest I ever knew us. It was the greatest summer a boy could have. Unlimited pickled onions and peanuts. Plus, I lost my virginity to a glamorous older woman and actual gypsy, Carmen Carmina. 60 years old, but she could have passed for 70. She used to play her music on a Friday night in the snog, and all the old folks, they'd dance a jig, but she didn't need instruments. She was able to mimic the sounds of an entire orchestra with just a mouth. Huge talent. Lot of spit, but huge talent. And I tell you what, her mouth really was an entire orchestra, if you catch my drift. Blowjobs. I was putty in her hands. Sometimes there was putty on her hands. It didn't matter. I was aroused by all of it. On the right day, if you looked at her from a distance, squinted, and imagined everything tilted about 45 degrees to the right, she could have been a latter year's Greta Garbo. Gorgeous olive skin, thick black curls, and piercing blue glass eye. Which meant when her eyes would roll back in ecstasy, one would stay up there for the rest of the night. It was a lovely touch. Oh, to be 12 years old again and smell the waft of a pipe tobacco and hear the soft lilt of a violent creep cough as she hobbled towards me. She was a free spirit and mad as a bastard. So, with my parents running the pub for the summer, the place became a hit. It was the place to go. I love seeing them as the punters did. You know, dad, lightning fast with a raised eyebrow and his dry sense of humour. And mum, this beacon of light and positivity. Everyone brought their worries to her and she always sent them away better for it. They both seemed so completely in love. And dad, he was so proud of her, you could tell. Mom would giggle all day long, slapping his hands away when he'd grab her from behind. Of course, it wasn't long before she caught him grabbing the behind of the barmaid. And the barmaid's mom, Carl, the fat bloke who delivered the barrels, they were actually caught fooling around in a barrel when she found them. I've no idea how that worked. Mum said she even caught Dad in a three-way snog with Mr Flaps, the fishmonger, and his wife in the shallow end of the swimming baths. To be quite honest, I think Dad would be diagnosed as a sex addict these days, but we didn't know then. It turned out Dad had another family from his years on the road, and in the end he went and lived with them, which broke Mum's heart, as he never wanted a sibling for me, but she never said a cruel word about him, even after all that. As Carmen would have said, that's what voodoo dolls are for. Sorry, um... That's what the voodoo doll is for. Is sort of more, more how she sounded. I guess Pops, he just couldn't lie with who he was. That's why he was always on the move. Because, you know, he lapped up all the love and attention and he either lavished all or none. And I feel sorry for him. You know, and I think that's why Mum forgave him so easily. Because I want to be steady. I want to be part of making a home, like, like my mum. You know, like she did with that pop for everyone. As for Crazy Carmen... Always with a song and that carpet bag full of old rocks, which she'd drawn faces on. She was a life inspiration to me too. Never be dull. Don't get tied down. But hey, her restless romantic solitude, it turned out to be the death of her. Well, the actual death of her was being attacked by a pack of wild dogs on the playing fields. 
Apparently, she bravely but foolishly volunteered to try and tame them by singing them a sea shanty. But I've no doubt that her final performance was her most beautiful of all. Or just horrible screaming. I'll give you an example from last week that showed me once and for all it is high time I quit the life on the road gigolo rodeo. I was with this blinder. A whip-smart executive type, obviously had a kink for old road dogs who looked like Shane Ritchie. Think VP of production at 30, you know, married to some gormless public school fanny fart, you know the type. We're chatting post-conference over a few stiff sea breezes, and she leans in and whispers to me that she wants me to take her on the back seat of my car. Say no more, ma chérie. We head out to the car park, and I lie across the heated leather seats of my 2012 Audi A6, gunmetal grey, CD changer, colour match bumpers. And I go to brush off the pasty crumbs, explaining it was a detritus from an Edinburgh to Birmingham night drive only two days before. She says, leave it. She says, she likes it. She says it's like being dragged back to my cave, and the pasty crumbs are like the scattered bones of my prey. Okay. She tells me to put on some dirty, sexy music. CD6 is selected. George Michael's Ladies and Gentlemen, Disc 2, The Ballad Disc. It's a live version of a different corner that he performed sitting on a really tall bar stool on Parky one time. The sweet, poppy love heartbreak of the 80s Wham original is now given a melancholic, darker edge as it's sung by the artist as an older man who's seen more extreme public sex acts than he ever thought he would. So, perfect for a session of dashed innocence and shagging in the back of an Audi. Now, they like to take charge of these sex-positive younger women, and you should have heard the language coming out of her mouth. French, Latin, bit of Japanese even. She was as learned as she was depraved. We are going at it, and I am really giving it beans. And she screams at me, she wants me to properly choke her up, she says. So, I tell the story of when Maxie, my beagle, died. She didn't cry, but I was in floods. The multiple orgasms she had when I got to the bit where I was told Maxie would have to be put down gave me a confusing sense of achievement. Her strangling me didn't help much either. But the interesting thing is, just before I blacked out, I had a thought I'd never had before. Suddenly, I just wanted sexy women, sexy George Michael tracks, and sex in general to have never existed. And now, don't get me wrong, I know we're all the architect of our own designs, but at times, I feel like my head is like a balloon full of creamy porn, and I hate it. I want to pop that balloon. I want to be clean, innocent again, back home. You know, eight years old in my pyjamas, reading the Beano by the light of my torch with Maxi keeping my feet warm with his airplane ears just softly. <laughs> I'm doing it again. Christ, what's wrong with me? I think I'm broken. Oh, Maxi. Question four. What's your idea of the perfect date? We take a walk on Holcomb Bay in Norfolk at dusk. It will take your breath away, I guarantee. The most beautiful place in the British Isles. And apparently, it's the, the beach from the end of Shakespeare in Love. Ironically, the only Ben Affleck movie I've not seen. Although with a title like that, it's hardly going to be Daredevil 2, is it? Plus Blu-ray, he won't watch Shakespeare unless it's done by Ken Branagh. Oh, I feel reborn when I'm in that God's country landscape. You know, with those mighty Avatar-sized spruces. It's like stepping into 10,000 years BC, like you're a pioneer and it's all just for you. And I've sat in the dunes and I've thought that certain someone would have to be pretty bloody special to share this with. And in those moments, I yearned. I don't think I'd ever yearned for anything. I yearned for a life partner to share in this perfect calm with. Yearned. I just thought I'd say it like that one more time. We'd gaze at the wonder of the setting sun 
and we'd taste together, if but for a moment, the eternal, serenaded by the sound of Norfolk sea lions singing their sweet, lilting song. Di-di-do-do-do. Hang on, sorry, did I, did I just do Close Encounters? I don't, know, I don't know what they'd actually sound like. Probably pretty rough. Don't they sound like a dog bringing up a bone the whole time, sort of? <coughs> sound of the breeze, serenaded by the sound of the breeze. We'd lie there, and we'd hold each other so close, you'd swear we shared a heartbeat. Then before you know it, we'd be going at it like ruddy beasts. You know, proper hammer and tongue, matching waterproof kecks around our ankles, and that ancient Norfolk breeze blowing right up my bum hole. There you go. You never heard that answer on Blind Date, did you? Question 5. If you could be any animal, what animal would you be? Um, that's an excellent question. You should have opened with that. It's a good icebreaker. Um, a bull. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty bullish. I mean, I look like a bull, stocky, sort of. A bull, but with the heart of a cute little puppy. That's me. I mean, if a bull actually had the heart of a cute puppy, he'd die because he wouldn't be able to pump the blood around his body. That's a horrible thought. Uh, someone's probably done that, haven't they? The Nazis, they committed every sort of atrocity, didn't they? Dunno. Maybe they started with farm stock in the Hitler Youth. Hey, lads, get a bull, put in a puppy heart, just see what would happen. You'd blow up a paper bag and pop it, it would just die, wouldn't it, from the shock? I could imagine a young Donald Trump doing that for giggles, you know, with all his waspy gimp mates that he pays to hang out with him, sniggering away. History, eh? All the really good stuff comes around again if you wait long enough. Can I change my answer? Um, ferret. Yeah, ferrets are fun. I had an uncle who had a ferret, Steve. Uh, the ferret was called Steve too, which was natty, I always thought. A uh, Little Steve and Big Steve, we called him. Little Steve, though, he could be vicious. He took most of the tips of Big Steve's fingers over the years. In fact, after he died, Mum said my dad's brother was a long-suspected pervert and she believed him losing his fingers was his punishment. I mean, I never understood if that meant it was because, you know, he was a perv and he tried to interfere with the ferret. Or the ferret had an innate sense he was a wrong un and decided to take justice into his own teeth. The mind boggles. Yeah, a ferret like little Steve. If you're happy with your answers, press 1 to leave your final message. Oh, OK. Right, let's do it. I'm not going to re-record. I am not going to re-record. So, um, ladies. Well, that, you know, that wasn't creepy. So, ladies, uh, women, everyone. I hope my honesty has been refreshing and, and not off-putting. Uh, I am, this was, Paul. Take a chance on me and uh, let's take a chance on love. Alternatively, if you're a small business owner still living in the 20th century and you want me to take a chance on, I mean, uh, you know, take you into... Oh, fuck it, it doesn't work. Thank you for using voicemails. Your answers have been stored and your dating profile is live. Watch out, ladies. It's about to get real. Voicemails is not responsible for what happens after your profile goes live. We trust you to be truthful in your answers and no guarantee of companionship or actual contact is promised. Membership is $49.95 a month for 24 months with a cancellation fee of 4,000%. Voicemails is written and performed by Tom Andrews. Mixing and editing by Ben Aitken at Another Tongue. And title music by Bear Nang.